Hello and welcome to episode 80, oh my goodness, of the Corinne Ninja podcast. I talked for way too long during this interview because, I don't know, Gina is just so delightful and I love this topic. We're talking about, well, women's health and Gina's Gina's journey with polycystic ovarian syndrome and she's gone through a lot. We talk about her trial with the paleo diet and it's all, well, I found it just a fascinating journey. And if you're someone or you know someone who's gone through polycystic ovarian syndrome and the weight gain associated with that and the increased facial hair and body hair that's associated with that and all the pain and irregular heavy periods, mood swings, mood imbalances. Um, There's so much that goes on, infertility that goes on with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS as some people shorten it to, that we don't speak of enough. And it's happening to so many women in developed countries such as Australia, America, England, etc., who are who are eating high fat, high sugar, high processed food diets, and and Gina's story is you know it's very very powerful. And I was so grateful to meet her at when recording this was last week because I'm very bad at being up having batched a lot of episodes. So I'm I'm recording in pretty much real time. But we both attended the Nutrition in Healthcare conference and it was fabulous. That's how we met. And I heard Gina's story and I knew I had to have her on the show and she kindly agreed. <laughs> and it was like, you know, obviously we both had a fantastic time at that conference and we can't both can't wait until next year when it's held again here in Melbourne. And there's obviously other events that will be run by Doctors for Nutrition throughout the year between now and then. So if you're in Australia or I don't know where else, they, they held some events in New Zealand actually recently. So please go to their website, like them on Facebook, doctorsfornutrition.com and Doctors for Nutrition on Facebook. They're, this was their first Nutrition in Healthcare Conference, and it was a huge, huge success. All of us were fed incredible, low-fat, whole food, rainbows of deliciousness from all of the incredible people involved in the the catering for the event, the three-day event. We we were given so much wonderful information from the the people who presented during the three days, Dr. Helene Rocks, Dr. Malcolm McKay, Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. Scott Stoll. There was so many, Dr. Andrew Davies. There were just Dr. Renee Thomas. And they've been on the show, so check back through the show notes for most of them. But Scott Stoll's coming on the show and Dr. Neil Barnard's coming on the show in the future. So look out for them. Keep yourself subscribed. <laughs> it was such a great time. I was just overwhelmed with, you know, I met so many wonderful people, like I mentioned soon. When Renee and I are going through our highlights of the event, it was just a great weekend. I highly recommend getting your tickets and keeping your yeah, subscribing to Doctors for Nutrition over at their website so that you can be kept in the loop about all their coming events. Lucy Stegley did an inc- and Dr. Helene Rooks did an amazing job, and all the people behind the the scenes who were involved in that event did an incredible job. So congratulations to everyone. You deserve a big high five from me and for everyone who attended, who we all had a fabulous weekend. Please, if you haven't yet left a five-star rating or a 
really nice, friendly review about this podcast over at iTunes. That would really, really help this podcast to reach more people and these hope stories to reach more people like our family members and friends who aren't yet eating a whole food plant-based diet, but they are living with chronic disease or have have struggled with their weight for a long period of time. There's so many great stories on this podcast that I want people to hear. People's stories who've trans transformed their lives from the inside out with a whole food plant-based diet from, in for many cases, people who had terminal diagnoses and were desperately unwell. So please, that would be so helpful. Obviously, you can also join me over at my Facebook page, which is Corinne Nidja on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also join my Facebook group, which is called Plant-Based and Thriving. I always forget the name of the group. You can join me there. I share bits and pieces there as often as possible, those members, and you can join and contribute and all those things. So that group is called, yeah, Plant-Based and Thriving. So that's on Facebook and I'd love to see you there and you can message me and whatever if you have any questions or you have any concerns or you can you know go check out my website to come along I keep forgetting it's in like a week's time to Tacoma check out my Facebook page for the event for the cooking class and chat that I'm doing over at the Tacoma Uniting Church really soon if you haven't found the link, message me and I'll send you through the link. It's going to be fun. I love cooking with people and showing them how easy and delicious whole food plant-based food can be. So meet me there. It's like 9.30 on Thursday the 14th of March to get your tickets and you can come along. Also, for anyone who doesn't yet know that I also do one-on-one coaching. I have been doing one-on-one coaching now since 2014. If you would like to work with me, I do one-on-one coaching. It's a six-month program, fortnightly Skype consults. We just plan out the six months, what goals we want to achieve in our health and in our lives. It's a consult that is about health and diet, but also about filling in those other things which help transform our mindsets, transform our emotional states, help us to feel more joyful. And the ripple effect from that is that we we want to feed ourselves better when we feel better and when we're, our lives are feeling more inspired and purposeful and meaningful. We want to feed ourselves better as we go on our ticking off our goals and feeling really amazing and inspired and supported. So that's what I do. We talk a lot about diet and nutrition, obviously, and how we can tweak things and make things better and try things and cross things off that aren't working for us, whatever, as we move forward in the six months. But it's about making a proper transition, a proper sustainable change. So it's a six-month program, once a fortnight, one session a fortnight, and you join in my private members-only group. And I also have the 28-day program as well called the Conscious Eating Program over at my website, which you can check out. And that's daily emails, 28 days, um, an ebook, and membership to the Facebook group. That's all there. And that you also get that membership in that book in the six-month program as well. And emails and check-ins and all those kinds of things, messenger support with me and videos and all those kinds of things. So if you want to join those, head over to my website or throw me a message in Messenger. It's probably almost the easiest, quickest way. For this kind of transformation, this kind of change, you need to be willing to push yourself out of your comfort zone and do the work, (laughs) just do the work to get those results. And you know, I'm not someone who's going to badger you about it or whatever. We're just going to love you as we're on our journey to be loving, more loving and kind to ourselves. And the end result tends to be that 
the food works itself out along the way as your mindset and your onion layers peel away and you discover more joy and more purpose in your life. If you'd like that, head over to my website or message me on Messenger and we will have a chat. And otherwise, here is Gina talking about her incredible polycystic ovarian syndrome story. And it is really, really good. Thank you, Gina. Hello and welcome to the show, Gina. Hi, Corinne. Awesome to be here and on the podcast. Yes, I I loved meeting you last weekend at the Nutrition in Healthcare Conference. It was an epic weekend. It was an incredible weekend, yeah. Left very inspired and exciting to meet all different people, including yourself. Yeah, it was such a good weekend. I'm still on a a high and I haven't actually talked about it on the podcast because I'd pre-recorded the ones before. The- yeah, before we went, we're at there. <laughs> before the conference and so I haven't spoken about it, but I will today in this episode we'll talk about it a little bit and I think maybe we could just I talked about it on the show notes a couple of weeks ago if you're listening in real time. Yeah, it was a really really great conference. And what were some highlights for you? Definitely um seeing and meeting um Dr. Barnard. A little bit of a fangirl moment with him. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. And I work with diabetes, so it's always really it was an amazing thing to hear him um and his talk on reversing diabetes um and always yeah, awesome to have it reinforced um and just being around other like-minded um, whole food plant-based people, um, you can sort of get in, you feel like quite not alone, but just like you're the only one kind of on this journey um, of eating. And so um, it was just really nice to have just people around you who are passionate about it and eat that way um, and to have all the food that was catered for that um, I think Scott Stoll maybe said it. Or, or the MC, um, he said that it's so nice not to have to be the weird one, like putting in your dietary restrictions. I know. It was, <laughs> it was, I always get excited, even though it's not, it's not whole food, like, like no oil, whole food, plant-based, but I get so excited if I even go to a vegan restaurant yeah, and exactly. it's, or go to World Vegan Day or whatever, you know, a vegan market or whatever, think, and, and it's got yeah. vegan food because that's so hard to find to find but now yeah. it's getting so much more mainstream but whole food pl- and whole food plant-based is the new vegan food as far as where it's hard to find when I first went vegan I'm talking 2000 well plant-based 2004 when I started on this journey there was oh, like well, one yeah, soy nothing. cheese and nothing yeah <laughs> and I could barely even get avocados <laughs> and now <laughs> there's so much vegan food but nowadays it's really difficult still to find places with no oil and so to no have oil, a yeah. whole weekend with no oil and just eating deliciousness like really delicious food yeah, as oh, well it was those did you have those dumplings that gnocchi I was thinking that's, and the gnocchi oh, yeah and the gnocchi and those mushroomy dumplings dumplings so oh, yum so yummy I'm still dreaming about them <laughs> Even the, the chocolate pancakes. Oh yes, the cacao pancakes and the banana bread pancakes. It was it was like eating banana bread but in a pancake. Yeah, that was so good. I obviously and I, I'm I'm so sorry because I can't remember the name of the beautiful woman who made up those incredible fl- fruit fruit 
oh, fruit platters. Platters of rainbow goodness. Um, I know her Insta. Um, she's the Sunkissed Kitchen. The Sunkissed Kitchen. Yeah. The Sunkissed Kitchen. I'm going to look you up for the intro. So, because I record that after I record the, yeah. the interview. <laughs> so, you'll be mentioned then. So, yes, that was her work were was incredible the sun-kissed kitchen and that's exactly what it looks like food that's just being kissed by the sun just gorgeous so it was a great weekend and I met so many beautiful people that I haven't met before and also caught up with wonderful people that I love like Lucy Stegley one of the co-founders Dr Helene Rocks the co-founder of Doctors for Nutrition I love those two so much and I love meeting Dr Barnard and Dr Stoll and Dr. Andrew Davies and and so and Dr. Renee Thomas, um, Dr. Alan Desmond, Dr. He Alan Desmond. Awesome. He was incredible, actually. I loved hearing about him, about his yeah. work and his research. That was incredible. And I, you know, there were so many greats. Obviously, I have to mention Elizabeth and Tony, who I hung out with from Food Is Medicine, because they are great guys, and you can follow them on Facebook. Yeah, they're awesome. They're so awesome. And obviously, Andrew Taylor. Spud fit Andrew Taylor, but Andrew Taylor's also now doing food addiction coaching one-on-one for anyone who wants to go over to his website and get some excellent coaching from Andrew. That's available too. Uh, there was just so many people, and I'm sorry if I'm leaving you out and you're thinking, gosh, Corinne. You know, James Aspie was there. How did you forget me? You were hanging out with me. Oh, Rebecca Stonor, who was episode 13 of the podcast with her multiple sclerosis story, and she was also a panel and Jenny Cameron and Dr. Malcolm McKay. There were just so many great, great people. And it was just a great, great event. And one that I know will be around for a long time to come sharing these incredible research and information and the work of these incredible doctors and pioneers and experts in whole food, plant-based nutrition. So thank you, Lucy and Dr. Helene and everyone else who helped make that event happen because there was a lot of people who helped they're definitely changing the scene and the game, especially for healthcare in Australia, which is so awesome to see. Absolutely, absolutely. So that was wonderful. And everyone, get your tickets for next year. When they, as soon as they come out, make sure you go and like the Doctors for Nutrition Facebook page and the, go to their website and subscribe so that you get the updates for when those tickets for the for the they have lots of events. So make sure you get your tickets for all of the events because they're always fantastic okay now we have just i've just sidetracked onto a doctors for nutrition conference (laughs) rave because gina and i were both there and that's how we met for this interview oh and high carb health i forgot to mention them want to mention them high carb health your your stories shakul and shamiz your stories about ulcerative colitis Anyway, that was so wonderful. I loved them and so I love the work that you're doing and yeah, it was great to meet you again and say hello in person. So that was good too. I will stop my highlights. I'm not gonna anyone else who I remember I won't mention, but that was it was just all wonderful. Make sure you're there next time. But Gina and I met there and Gina is on the show to share her story and I love sharing stories like Gina's because there are so many women who are affected by polycystic ovarian syndrome that affects their fertility it affects their menstrual cycles it 
affects their weight and their ability to lose weight. And there's so many parts of life that it has a negative impact on. And so I love hearing stories of women who have found benefit after making the transition to a whole food plant-based diet. So Gina is going to share her story now, if that's okay, Gina. Yeah. Yeah. So um, should I start from the beginning, I guess? Yeah. Start from the start. <laughs> um, okay. So um, yeah, so I'm going to share my story about um, my journey with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, it, yeah, affects um, like massive amount. I looked up, I've forgotten the um, amounts, but huge, like one in 15 nearly, like crazy amounts of women. I'll look it up and put it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, get that right. Either I think 10 to 15% of women, um, especially in developed countries. Um, but, yeah, check that one up. Um, so yeah, I, um, I was always a really, um, chubby child. Um, weight was always an issue. Um, I always just had a a fascination with food, I guess. (laughs) Um, and, um, I would always be just grabbing at food, um, always had a very sweet tooth, eating a lot of sweets, um, and all the old ladies in my life would be, um, I guess, buttering me up with um, cakes, sweets, butter. and biscuits, <laughs> butter, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, a lot of, um, and we ate a very standard um, Australian diet of um, the sad diet of meat, eggs, dairy, um, lots of sweets. Um, and so, yeah, by I just was always, um, I was a very active child though. Um, and so that probably helped control the weight to an extent, um, but still just ate much too much for a child who um and by the time um I then got my period at age um 12 that came on and by that stage I was already very overweight um probably even obese I probably I I hadn't weighed myself at that age but I was probably obese for a 12 year old um and yeah period came on very early um, and they've linked that now to the hormones in meat and dairy, um, bringing that on in girls a lot earlier. Um, and then the classic um, PCOS symptoms, um, which um, lots of people, lots of women experience quite different symptoms, but you have your classic ones of um, ex- um, acne, irregular periods, um, excessive hair growth, which is a condition called Hertzuism. Um, some w- girls and women have um, balding um, where they lose hair. Um, and, yeah, there's a few different other ones. Um, but I had the – from at age about 13, 14, my classic symptoms started to come with um, the Hertzuism, the excessive hair growth. Um, I had a lot of hair – on um, under my chin, on the sides of my face, on um, on the top of my lip, um, and I also started to get really bad acne. Um, my periods weren't irregular as such, but they were very heavy and painful, um, and the weight gain just started to get quite uncontrollable. Um, 
And I guess I didn't realize it then, but in talking to my family, they always, like they saw that I also had a lot of mood issues related to that all as well. I was um, like, I was, I had quite a lot of anxiety. I was quite an emotional and I would get very angry and just had no control over that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that was. Um, How old was, were you then? Like when it first, when you first noticed the, the hair growth and the, the acne and the, and the heavy painful periods, how old were you? Yeah, I think I was about um, 13. It probably had started about 12 when the period kind of came on, but um, it started to get really bad about 13, 14. Which is just a hard time as an adolescent girl, I imagine, having those, you know, in our society mm. that's about being as hairless as possible, you know. I don't even, I wonder if teenage girls even, I used to be super excited about getting pubic hair. And yeah. I imagine nowadays when pubic hair is so uncool and Un- deemed yeah, girls filthy don't want and that. horrendous, yeah. I wonder if teenage girls even want to get, their pubic hair. Their pubic, which is so sad because, yeah, like I think back then, like that sort of thing, you were like, oh, I'm coming into womanhood, yeah. which is, was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was horrible because, yeah, um, like surrounded by like um, other gorgeous teen girls who didn't have this issue and suddenly I'm um, like they're blonde and have no hair anywhere and I'm um, dark and have hair in places that girls shouldn't have hair. Um, just was a lot to, um, when you're already dealing with puberty and like work identity, working out who you are. And then this on top of that, um, I do remember just finding it really so difficult and um, being like, yeah, working through a lot of insecurity around it. Yeah. Um, but I was at that age, I guess, um, I was fortunate. Like I, I, I had great friends and I, um, who never really ever brought it up, um, as an issue or, and family didn't really make me feel bad about it or anything. So I don't think it, for me, it was as big a thing as it could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fortunate. <laughs> That's so fortunate. You are absolutely so lucky to have had that great support around you when you're going through that. Mm, definitely. Um, but at that time, mum did notice it wasn't normal, though. So we did go to a GP um, and we got scans done. Um, and it did show up that um, I had the um, cysts on, the, my, on my ovaries um, and that I had very high testosterone levels for that age, especially so, as a girl. So you were 13? <laughs> yeah, about 13 when that happened, yeah. Um, but what um, I did notice at that age, no, that and Mum said this as well, that no one really talked to her, even the GP, um, about like what to do about it or um, like how, like even diet. They didn't tell Mum every anything to do with my diet um, about what, like even lowering my testosterone levels or anything like that. Um, they kind of just let it be um, at that point. Oh, so I had no idea of how any any treatments or ideas or options for you then? Um, not really. Like they did, I think they did say to mum that they could put me on the pill, but mum didn't want that. So, um, and because I was so young um, at 13, they didn't, she didn't want me reliant on the pill 
for the rest of my teenage years sort of thing. And then around that time, we um, we also started um, playing um, profe- like national, professional school level badminton. And so I was playing a lot of sports and um, at least like, that did control some of the symptoms to an extent um, and my weight gain. My weight gain kind of stalled at that level um, because I was just so active um, got, um, doing training three to four times a week um, for the badminton nationals um, and that definitely helped a lot and that helped, I think, with my mood and just being part of a social group um, that wasn't concerned on how I looked. It was more about my performance as such. Mm. That's that's really great. That's great. Yeah, so I would definitely encourage that for <laughs> teenagers, everyone. for everyone. <laughs> I wish I had had been doing a sport back when I was young, but I was just so self-conscious of my weight mm. and my coordination and skill level and I just I just couldn't do it. Mm. Well, I think that um I was fortunate that um I definitely like I knew I was good at sport and so that did help with um, like me not being insecure as much about the weight because at least I like because I was winning or really good at something then I could kind of ignore the weight problem yeah, as such yeah. oh that's great yeah um, and it meant that I was like if I was playing the sport and doing that I wasn't then concentrating on eating as like, which is a big thing. It's <laughs> such a big thing. Like, um, uh, like Andrew said, Andrew Taylor, like he says in his podcast episode and in his work, you know, I've mentioned it a thousand times, so I'm sorry again. But it is, you know, you are putting things in, joyful things that bring you joy outside mm. of food. And food, And yeah. it's super important. And for young people like yourself to learn that young rather than me having to listen to Andrew and other people and go, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> I'm 39 now yeah, and, and figuring it out. But when I was eight, to know that at 15 and to, not even not to know it, but to implement it. Implement it, yeah. At 13 is a really great tool to have had for yourself. Mm. Definitely, but I don't think I, I think don't think I realized it as such. Um, like, look, I know it a lot more now than I realized what it was doing back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then unfortunately, um, we had to move for my dad's job, and so we moved to another part. This was in New Zealand. We lived in New Zealand at this time, and um, we had to move to another area of New Zealand, um, and. This was at, so I was now um, 16, yeah, when we moved. And so um, coming into a high school um, at that age when everyone already has their cliques or their their friendship groups, um, I knew no one um, and I didn't have my safe group of supportive friends um, and I, for some reason, couldn't continue playing badminton anymore. Um, and so, yeah, everything started to kind of go wrong again. (laughs) Um, the weight started to creep up, um, because I wasn't doing a sport. Um, and I was using food, um, in a way that was helping me with the emotional things of not, um, 
not fitting in at school as well and not having the same group of friends. Um, so I would just go home and eat a lot to try and deal with that. Um, yeah, which I now know isn't the way to do it, but yeah. it's implementing other things of joy <laughs> rather than food. <laughs> Absolutely. But you, how old were you, 16? Yeah, 16. It's like you say, moving schools at 16 when everyone has their – is you know forming their identity and is so self-absorbed and in a you know in their cliques and they're it's so easy to become isolated and and feel alone and if you don't how when you're 16 you yet to formulate all well unless you have some really great I'm sure you do but I think that my parents and lots of generations of parents you get so busy that you kind of forget sometimes to instill tools and strategies in your children that help them to be resilient and resourceful and strong and have uh, have the confidence enough to to get through those situations and the tools to help them navigate those times when they're you know when they're newly moving and isolated and without their sport that they that they're used to like it's it's really difficult and so I completely understand how you did that because I did very similar things yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think lots of young people who've gone through similar situations as you who are listening or if anyone who's listening who can look back and have moved schools in such a ma- major part of schooling like yeah yeah it, it's um it and my sense. parents did do um like a great job I like I probably I still had a lot of confidence and um things like that but um yeah when they weren't home I could use food like with them with them not realizing and um and because at that age yeah you can leave your child at home by themselves so and mum was mum was good like she would send me home with healthy lunches and she tried and I would just because I had a lot of the mood changes I would just fight back and get angry if she ever said anything about like eating healthier or my weight or anything and um not not eating that and I'd just be like well my brother can because he had the metabolism like he had a fast metabolism (laughs) he had no issues he could eat whatever so if he could eat it it's not fair that I can't eat it yeah yeah and that does seem unfair doesn't it but I but but you know but I now wish I'd listened. <laughs> um, so then, um, so yeah, the weight started to creep up. Um, the hair growth got so worse, so much worse. Um, it was terrible by now. Um, the acne was bad. Um, and by age 17, I was up to a size 16, 18, which was around 90 kgs, which I'm I'm short. So... Um, I'm 156 centimeters, so I don't know what that is in like no, five, I don't know either. five one maybe. <laughs> so 90 kgs on that size is very noticeable, mm. um, unfortunately. Um, and I have one memory which really um, sticks out, which um, was really hard. And um, we were at the boys they. Um, where I was from, they um, have a boys' school, and we were over there with our music group, um, doing some or an orchestra with them. Um, and I was walking um, past a group of boys at the school at lunchtime, and they—I was with two girlfriends, 
and they yelled out um, to the girls, oh, "Why are you walking around with um, with a boy? Um, look at like look at um, she has a beard and sideburns." Oh, my heart is breaking for you. And that was the first time that I think it really um, hit home, like what this, I guess, syndrome meant for me. Mm. And yeah. That was probably one of the most painful moments of it. Oh, love. Gina, I'm giving you a hug. <laughs> when you're 17, that hurts when you're 15. At any age, yeah. <laughs> but when you're 17, oh, crushing. So then I, I started at that age, I started to, I told mum about it and we started all the kind of hair treatments to try and work with that. Um with that insecurity, we did the waxing, hair removal creams, um, and then we started electrolysis. But the problem is with PCOS is that it's so hormonally driven um, that even though we paid so much money for electrolysis, it just came all back. The hair came back and it came back thicker. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that to anyone until your hormones have stabilized a bit better and you're out of puberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened from there, Gina? Um, and so it was then, um, so then I decided, um, so I just kept living as such. And then we, um, I got to 18 and we decided to go and do nursing. Um, and I wanted to, I didn't want to stay in the small city I lived in, um, because I knew that a lot from high school would be going to the nursing school there. Um, and after everything of my insecurities and how people had treated me about my weight and the hair at school, I didn't want to be anywhere around those people <laughs> as such. <laughs> Um, so we decided, um, I decided to move, um, back to Australia cause I was born in Australia. So I decided to move back to Australia and do nursing in, um, near Sydney. And, um, I had grown up in, um, an Adventist home. Um, and that's one of the, um, we've learned, we learned about that last weekend with, um, the Loma Linda and one of the blue zones, um, and so there's a nursing school in Sydney um, that's with the Adventist Hospital. So I decided to do my nursing over there. Um, and um, the cool thing about the college there was that it is um, vegetarian. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I just was pretty much forced to do a year of eating vegetarian um, and also because I didn't have a lot of money, I was a student, um, and I, um, and I didn't have a car, so I couldn't really leave campus. Um, and so, yeah, over the year, I just, I started to drop the weight, um, things started to get a bit better, um, because I wasn't having any hormones from meat, we were, and I was just eating a lot of vegetables <laughs> um, and um, good grain, whole good whole grains and things like that, which, um, yeah, um, was great. And um, I also was doing exercise. We played bas um, basketball every week um, and I couldn't eat. There wasn't, like, I didn't have any food in my room, so there wasn't 
that extra eating that I'd been doing previously. Um, and because I was now around a great group of um, girlfriends and I had um, and guy friends um, and I had a purpose now because I was studying for something I actually really wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, there was that I wasn't as fixated on food as I had been previously. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, so that was um, – so a lot of my symptoms got a bit better um, from from all that, um, but I so, still – So you started losing weight and then you started – periods became – they became less heavy? They were lighter, lighter, yep. Um, they weren't as heavy. Um, I still had the hurts to the um, excessive hair growth um, that didn't um, really improve because um, I was still eating quite a lot of dairy. Yeah. Because um, it was still a very um, dairy based um, vegetarian diet. Yeah. Um, and there was still um, like a lot of sweets and things like they put on a lot of desserts. But I was pretty good because I had um, another friend there that I'd made um and she also had um polycystic ovarian syndrome so which was awesome because suddenly someone else had it I wasn't like alone in this um which was really special um and she had lost a lot of weight previously um I wouldn't recommend her way of doing it but it's the go-to is the low carb Mm. yes it is the go-to the Atkins way of eating the keto rebrand way of eating not recommended on this podcast, just FYI. <laughs> no, not recommending it, <laughs> which I will tell you soon why as well. She wouldn't have anything of the desserts and stuff, so I st- started to kind of follow along with that, um, which helped a lot <laughs> yeah. um, and just took away a bit of my sugar cravings, um, not having that as much in my body. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so, yeah, over that year I lost about 10 to 15 kgs wonderful which was cool um I'd never been able to do that before yeah I felt a lot better my mood swings weren't there I was a lot more stable in how I emotionally I was um and how to handle things but then we moved um because so there was one campus up in the central coast and then one campus down at the hospital and the north shore of Sydney so then we moved down to the hospital campus um, and then suddenly I was near, I had to cook for myself. Um, I lived near um, shopping centre um, and we had a car suddenly. And so unfortunately I went back to a bit more of my old habits. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really learn much. Yeah. Well, that is, you didn't know that you were eating for your health back then. No, know? I was just eating what was available. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Exactly. And I hadn't really connected it to like that the vegetarian was the reason I was feeling better. Yeah, I was back to eating lots of um, sweets, um, lots of chocolate, um, lots of – I would make these – I thought um, – but I also was doing a bit more of the low-carb thing, um, but that was just leading to intense cravings. And with PCOS, you, um, your blood sugar level is on such a roller coaster, um, especially if you're not having any carbohydrates. Um, it just craves carbs like nothing else. 
<laughs> and so when you're lowering that, um, all you want is carbs and high calorie carbs. <laughs> like you're wanting your refined, your body thinks it wants to You're wanting refined. 100 vegan magnums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except they weren't around at the time, which probably would have been better than what I was eating. <laughs> Just a little bit better, but mm. better. <laughs> And so, yeah, like the weekends was just like eat what, like whatever I could get that was high calorie and sugary and bad for me. And so I didn't put on back all on the weight, but I definitely um, put back on a bit of weight and um, just felt horrible. Um, and all the symptoms came back terribly. <laughs> um, and so I was at a place where I was just like, um, like this is like I'm now at my wits end about this. Um, I feel horrible. Um, the weight gains started up again. Um, and so I went to see a GP again, um, which unfortunately led me down the medication route. Um, because at this stage, you're just, I was just so down about it all that I just wanted a quick fix, I guess. I wanted something to help anything. Anything, um, yes. And I didn't know at this point anything about food and um, and our health. Um, so I saw an endocrinologist. We started on the pill, um, metformin, which is for um, the insulin resistance um, because we also did my blood tests and I came back insulin resistant Um and um, so she put me on metformin for that um, and that would also, they would say that that would bring down my weight as well. So that sounded, to me, that sounded amazing, like <laughs> this exciting thing that will help me with my weight. And a medication that reduces your androgen um, production and activity because my androgens were really high androgen levels um and so that was a medication called spirolactone i can you explain to me and anyone else who doesn't know what androgens androgens is that what you just said yeah yeah androgens so yeah androgens are and what they do because i have not i've heard the word but that's all okay well you have your adrenal glands um up um in like behind the throat sort of thing they Um, and they are related to hormones um, especially they're um, I believe they're what release a lot of your they work through your cortisol um, and so they're very um, very what's the word Um, sensitive to stress and stresses on your body and things like that Um, you can have um, a lot of um, um, people have quite low levels, um, and um, and you can also have. Um, but if you're chronically stressed, they're low when you're chronically stressed. Um, no, they can be. They're quite high. So they're. Um, I'm not sure exactly what brings them low. I shouldn't have started with that. <laughs> um, but maybe add that to the show notes. But um, when a lot of people get um, adrenal fatigue when they're chronically stressed and um, are putting a lot of – that's when people start to – a lot of the fatigue is related to your adrenal glands 
And so when women... Um, so your androgens are made in your adrenal glands. And your, yeah, sorry, yes. Your androgens are made in your adrenal glands. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so at least we've got that connection. And so my androgens um, were... My adrenal glands were producing a very high amount of androgen. Yes, okay. So you had too which, many. Um, yeah, I had too many, too much. And so that... Um, causes um the hair growth oh there you go yeah um the excess hair growth in strange places <laughs> and then if you also then have that related to high testosterone it's just a great combination really <laughs> wow so i never knew that that is really fascinating to me and so that you gave you a medication that helped lower the androgen those androgen levels and stop it producing as much Okay. And so you did that and what happened? Yeah. Well, uh, so I was on those three medications for two years and it, it, it does, it works in, if you just want to control your symptoms, it works. So my hair growth went to like, I had no hair growth. It went off my upper lip. It went off my chin. I had no sideburns. Um, the hair off all, all the hair off my arms went away. Um, and I thought this is the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> um, my skin cleared up, um, and um, the the and that was more the spirolactone. Um, the metformin, I didn't feel great. Um, I you um, you get if you're not eat, it can upset your stomach. Um, you if you don't eat it have it at the right time you can get a lot of diarrhea and nausea and like I had a friend who was on it as well and we and sometimes you have no it it makes you have no control if you haven't eaten enough it, it can have mean you have no control over your um, bowel motions and we were like climbing up a mountain and she's like I just have to go and she he was wearing white pants and it just <laughs> she just had to go behind a tree and it, it pretty much exploded <laughs> all because of this medication oh my god terrible nightmare <laughs> i don't know if she'd be seeing me telling that story but we won't say who it was <laughs> <laughs> If anyone's listening, I, I know that there's been you know, guests on this show who have talked about those kind of symptoms and, you know, that, that we shouldn't have as much shame around that because we all go and we all have had times when yeah. we've had no option. <laughs> so let's just love each other and realise that there's no shame in this. There's no shame in this podcast because... It's life is messy and embarrassing and uncomfortable and awkward. And the sooner we just acknowledge that, the sooner we can just not have as much social anxiety and terror living. Once we just say, you know what, I'm revolting because I'm an animal like the rest of the animals are revolting. Let's just love each other. <laughs> well, we all have body fluids. We do. We all do. <laughs> Once we accept that. <laughs> Once we accept that we all have body bodily fluids, it'll be a lot lot, lot, lot more peaceful planet to live on, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that wasn't great. So I actually I stopped the metformin quite like early on, um, earlier than the others. But one of the things with the pill was although I had – um, a regular period and it had cleared up my skin I was so emotional just I had 
anxiety came. Um, I had anxiety. I was always stressed. Um, so everything would make me cry. Um, I was always on the phone to mum upset about something. And for I thought it was me. I I never put it to that it was what the pill was doing to me. Um, but I just thought I was just this emotional girl that nursing school was too much and it was setting me off. Um, even though I didn't actually find nursing school as stressful, um, like I was, I was fine with it. Um, but I thought that must have been what it was because I just didn't understand. And yeah, it just got to a point where I was just really, and then I got really down and, um, yeah, it just had me on a roller coaster of emotions. And one thing I will say is that I wish that at this point, I wish, because I was seeing my endocrinologist quite frequently during this time because they were seeing how my weight was going, how um, everything was going. And that not once did anyone ever tell me about diet and what I could have been doing for this. Yeah, it's such a shame. It's such yeah. a shame. It's such Every an opportunity. Every single guest pretty much says the same thing. Um, not even that I shouldn't be having even just sugar. Like, that's an easy one to tell me. <laughs> yeah. I guess that they want you to come back and they just know that people get so, and we've mentioned this, you know, lots of times too, but people get, you know, it's like saying, it's like bringing up religion or parenting. It's a word, parenting. The way you parent, everyone has a different way to parent and like bringing up politics or, you know, religion or parenting styles is what I mean. I think that food, the food is apparently harder to change than religion. Than religion, wow. So when you bring up, when doctors, it's, it's like a taboo topic, I think, for most people when you bring up, and even for yourself, as you know, from being a young person, you know, I remember you saying it earlier. And I, for mm, me, if my, par- my, mom, if my yeah. parents said, maybe you shouldn't eat that. I would hear, I'd hear in my mind, my mum thinks mm. I'm fat. Yeah. My mum thinks that me being fat means I'm not worthy of anything. You know, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> I've got no willpower. Everyone hates me. <laughs> you know, you hear this yeah, whole... Yeah, this whole... It opens up a Pandora's box of why you're the worst person in the whole world. Exactly. And so perhaps doctors also think this isn't worth it. You know, if I say maybe you cut out sugar, that's going to open up a... (gasps) A big thing. Oh, I don't want to come back to you because you told me this. Yeah, you told me I was overweight. Now I'm going to go into a spiral of self-loathing for the next six months until I find a different doctor who's who, who lets me mention, just live my life yeah who lets me <laughs> just live my life <laughs> that's so true yeah possibly I think a lot of people do find it really really shameful and it's very difficult and I'm I'm changing this it's the same subject but it's very difficult to lovingly approach someone about their eating without shaming them and them yeah definitely and I haven't, I haven't mastered that, honestly. I ha- it's something that I'm really working on because you can't bring up food without, sh- without, without shame. Them seeing it as a shameful thing. Yeah. No, no, it's, I, I see how I completely understand because I try and do it and I'm learning how to do it in a loving way. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed it's not so much about how – like telling them it's how 
like they're getting more out of how I live my life and seeing the changes in me. And that's really the best thing. The biggest impact I've had in my life is on just living it. Yeah. As soon as I start talking about it, and gone. People are gone. People are yeah. gone, and they and they've gone to their shame place, <laughs> which which breaks my heart because you know that they've just gone to. Oh my gosh. I'm shutting down this conversation. I'm shutting myself emotionally and psychologically and mentally from this conversation because it it triggers me. It triggers me. Yeah, yeah. And it's making me ident- like look at myself and identify things that I don't like about myself. And they're not ready to. No. And maybe they will down the track, but they're not right, it, right then. And it was the same, like, when I'll get to this, but it was the same for me. I wasn't ready with anyone telling me anything until I worked it out on my own and was in the place ready to hear it. Same, same. Mm. So I'm sorry to everyone. No one that I'm, none of my people who I'm talking to are going to listen to this, but I'm sorry to you all <laughs> <laughs> if I've shamed you. It's, you just love them. And when you find, when you find like I would say, my son's obsessed with the chocolate, fact, chocolate factory right now. Awesome. <laughs> and so I would say it's like the golden ticket. When you find a whole food plant based, what a whole food plant based, how it makes you feel like you're mm. alive from the inside out. When you find literally what feels like a golden ticket of health, you want to give the golden ticket to everyone. To everyone else. As and fast you're like, as you why can. don't you want to take this I'm giving ticket. it to you. Just <laughs> eat it. <laughs> Yes. And they're like, la 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 They don't, don't want, want your ticket. I don't want them to zip their mouth shut and run away. <laughs> I want that red ticket over there at this I point know. in time, not this eat gold this, one. Eat this baked potato golden ticket instead of the deep fried one that yeah, you're eating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I completely hear you. Now, we've tra- transgressed. Sorry. You, we yes. were talking we about you were talking them. about the pill and how it made you emotional, and then we went on that digression, digression. of mine, which I feel I'm hoping was someone listening found it useful. But yes, that was it. But yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm a nurse, but I'm not a doctor, and um, so I'm not making recommendations on what you do with medication. You're on your own journey and what you need at this moment. Absolutely. Um, I, see a doctor, yeah. see 10 doctors until you find one that recommends a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah, exactly. Dr. <laughs> I, Malcolm oh, McKay, <laughs> Dr. I wish, I wish Anthony Dave, Andrew Davies, Dr. Anthony Hudge. There's plenty. Just find There's them. Plenty. Oh, That would have changed my life so much earlier if I had a doctor like that. I know. Oh. I know. Yeah, so I was on all those and then I just decided my food cravings also got really out of control with the pill I found as well. And I put on a heap of like a weight again and water weight and I was just holding weight in weird places and just felt so unhappy. And I was just like, this was supposed to help me. <laughs> I don't think enough women are talking about the pill, honestly. Even I now agree. we know so many damaging side effects Picks of the pill of and we're still rallying saying you know this is uh, the best thing that ever happened to women since the feminist movement mm-hmm. yeah and like it's wonderful i guess because we don't want unwanted pregnancy and you know like i i get it but it's got so many um, negatives downsides i was it. on it for yeah. so long i gained weight i had all the cravings that gina's talking about I was moody like Gina's talking about. I was depressed like Gina's talking about. It actually had so many. Oh, and my libido was like 
terrible. Yeah, so terrible. even though I was lucky enough that I couldn't get pregnant, I also just didn't want to have sex. One, so yeah, two, <laughs> two, two, two different ways of not getting pregnant. <laughs> They've planned it well. No. No. But, yeah, I agree. Plus the higher risk of stroke, and I think there's a higher risk from memory, a higher risk of stroke and may, potential some forms of cancer. Is that, is that, am I correct yeah, in that? Um, breast I cancer? I believe so. I'm Bre- not... Um, yeah, maybe breast cancer. I will um, have to research, research. I Don't take it as gospel. Yeah, gospel That's it. not gospel. But, but definitely there's a clots lot. and stroke. Like I, as a nurse, I've looked after a number of women um, who've had to go on blood thinners um, because of the pill and forming clots. Like that's scary. It's scary. I wish there was a better old, better alternative. Like there's lots of different things. And in Australia, you can get. This is just my own. Now, sorry for men who are listening, but this is, I'm a woman, Jenny's a woman. There's women listening. So I, when I wanted to stop the pill, I looked at, my gosh, diaphragms. And in America, a diaphragm's pretty great. And with, not that I want a diaphragm because I don't want spermicide either, but we don't even sell spermicide. We sell diaphragms in Australia, but no spermicide in Australia. Which spermicide's what makes it up to like ninety something percent effective, but without it, it's only seventy percent. Who wants a seventy percent effective birth control device? It's like, what's the point of even then having it? Why? So I just said, well, of course I don't want to thirty percent chance of me getting pregnant every month, so I won't do it. But then you're stuck with you know condoms or whatever, which aren't that fun, but still better than an STD or an unwanted, unplanned pregnancy. So. I'd rather I ended up adopting that as my method because the other methods were not that great for my overall health. And when you've got chronic disease or you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, you're already, for want of a better term, pushing shit uphill. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need other things that are going to make life harder, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. So your pill experience was negative. Yes, and not everyone's is. Not everyone's is. Some people love it, love it, love it, love it. So don't go off it because of what we're saying. Go see a doctor, go see a doctor, go see a doctor. Have your own journey and figure it out for yourself. For yourself, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I decided to come off all the medication um, and decided that I wanted to work this all out um, more naturally, I guess, without medication. But at this point on the internet... The big thing for polycystic ovarian syndrome was the paleo diet. It's the big thing for so many, you know. You got your Pete Evans, you got all the people that love paleo diet. Yeah, this way of. And I will say the one thing that was okay about, was good about it, is that it got me quitting dairy, which I noticed that made a huge difference was quitting dairy. But it also increased my meat intake. Um, and increase my egg intake a lot. Um, but I was eating a lot of veggies with it as well. Um, and I started working out. And so I did um, feel, I felt a lot better. Um, my mood stabilized. Um, and, um, but I wasn't, um, but I started doing quite high intensity working out, which I didn't realize at the time, but because I already had, high androgen levels the stress of high intensity exercise put my cortisol levels way up which stressed out my adrenal glands and I was 
just not doing good things for my body. Yes. And the thing is, is that there's so many pieces to the health puzzle that you don't. Like, when I first did a gut gut cleanse with Natalie Woodman. She yep. was talking about yeah, exercise and she was saying, she was on episode, I think, 14, I think. Check it. Anyway, she's an amazing gut expert. She's fabulous. But she talks about that. She's saying, you know, if you do high intensity, too stress- stressful e- exercise, you're basically not going to do as well as if you do gentle exercise during the, during the time that you're trying to, I'm trying to help your get, health yeah, get your get bad better. bacteria reduced and get your good bacteria strong and make a healthy microbiome, that, the stress of that. So, yeah, this is what you're saying, which you don't think of. You think I'm eating well, I'm going to start exercising, high intensity. But... And because a lot of the blogs as such for PCOS – um, Picos um, was saying high intensity is great for women with PCOS because you can lose weight. And so I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'll do it. I started going to the gym, um, started doing um, a workout routine with this high intensity. Um, I was losing weight for the first time. I was in my eyes, I was a lot toner and I was down to the lowest weight I'd been since I was maybe like. 10, 9 or 10 sort of thing. (laughs) How old were you here? How old were you now? um, was 21. Yeah, I was 21 in my first year out of nursing. And it was also a really great way of like, because I wasn't then using food, I was de-stressing with the exercise um, after work and that was really good. So at that point in time, you would have been raving about paleo. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, I'm so angry at myself now. I was telling This everyone, is not a paleo endorsement. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, please do not do this <laughs> um, because I will tell you very surely. So, yeah, I was raving about it to everyone. I was like, look how great I look and everyone, because everyone, like all my friends, everyone knew me as like the bigger girl yeah. and suddenly like I've lost the weight and that. But then I went and got my blood work done. And Tell us about my, your paleo blood work. Yeah, my insulin resistance was terrible. My fasting glucose was, it's supposed to be, but um, they like about four to six for a fasting. Mine was eight, um, which is not good at my age especially. And um, my cholesterol was so high um I was trying to I I should have written it down but I was trying to work out what um like in the American because they do like 150 to something mine was like 6.5 to 7 in Australian how we do it yeah um and they like like the doctors especially like it below five (laughs) like five or lower um and um, so yeah, mine was about seven and I work with, at this point in time, I was working with, um, um, heart patients and my, and so I knew that high cholesterol levels lead to, lead to heart attacks. And I had seen, I was seeing this every day and I was seeing diabetic patients every day and, um, seeing what it was doing to them and um to their lives and their loved ones lives and I freaked out I was like I um I didn't want that to be my future and I knew that 
people with polycystic ovaries have higher rates, um, like higher risk of diabetes and higher risk of heart disease. And I was like, I don't want this. Um, but I didn't know how to not have it. Yeah. <laughs> According to you know, Pete Evans, you're doing all the right things, right the exact things, right exactly, thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. He says it lowers cholesterol and yeah. lowers all these risks yeah, and yet I've mine has gone up yeah. and I've never had this issue before. And you're looking um, the best you ever have. So yeah. what? So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I bet your mind was just oh my gosh, overwhelmed. Yeah, it was. And which Andrew Davies, I think, or Anthony Hodge, Dr. Anthony Hodge, one of them was talking about how you get these patients come in presenting looking incredible. They think that they're fit, they're Instagram models, they're bodybuilders, they're paleo spokespeople, but inside they're on the way to heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Their their inside's not matching their outside. Yeah, and so that's the risk. That's the problem with paleo movement is because it has short term – it looks good. It's really appealing. People get to eat the the junk that they want to eat, bacon, class one carcinogens. That they want, yeah. Get to have that basically endorsed throughout everywhere of society, eat as many eggs and as much bacon as you like and look amazing without anyone ever doing those blood tests, doing those blood results and saying actually internally you're not that great. You're not that healthy. And what are the long-term consequences? Because for cavemen and our Paleolithic ancestors, it was a lifespan of about 40. <laughs> they didn't live that long. No, exactly. No one wants the life expectancy of a Paleolithic person, but they want the diet. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. And I, they didn't want – they were living for survival. They weren't living for longevity. No. And and high quality of you life. know, of course, you know. People always say, "What would you if you were a ve- you know, you would be a vegan? What would you do on a deserted island if there was just a pig and nothing?" Well, probably I'd probably eventually, if I couldn't find what the pig was eating and eat what the pig was eating, maybe I would kill the pig because I'm desperate. Pig. But now yeah, exactly, I have like three supermarkets live. in a ten k radius. Why do Why I, need do to? I <laughs> want to stab a pig in the head yeah. when I could eat an apple and some potatoes and kale? And thrive rather than living till I'm 40 and dying of heart disease. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it makes no sense to me. So what did you do then? Because I I think everyone wants to know what you do when you're in that paleo fad craze and it's been working so well for you. And it's hard because there's not it's hard. It can be a bit difficult to find information about whole food plant based still because it's still such a fringe movement compared to paleo. It's it's much yeah, quieter exactly. compared to the noise yeah. that is the paleo movement. The noise so how did you movement. find? That and it was definitely quieter when I found the paleo because mm. I think if I'd found whole food plant based, mm. then. I would have gone yeah. that way, but I didn't yeah. find it, so I went the paleo mm. way because it was a lot yeah. louder. all your friends and family As have done say. it. They've all lost 10K once, but they've gained it all back. <laughs> but still, it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, before I found the whole food plant base, I went back to eating normally away from paleo. And, yeah, the weight just piled back on because um, as soon as I started eating normally with a lot with a lot more carbs again, I – it just piled on again. 
Um, but I wouldn't say I was eating good carbs. It was just like, I'll eat whatever then. <laughs> so that was after. So after you that was after. after you found out that your insulin resistance was bad and that your cholesterol was high, you I stupidly just went, went back just, to just You just eating. gave up <laughs> and ate whatever. Yeah. Which, which I don't think that's stupid. I think that's just like a, oh. My, we call my son, when my son does similar, he's seven, we call it a hands-down walk-off. So he just drops his arms yeah. to his side, sulks his head and storms out of the room. And I think that humans yep. tend to do that to when do we that. face yep. a Because I was challenge. just like, it's just not work. It Like, obviously it's not working. What was the point? I'll just... Oh, that um, would have been a real, literally would have been like bursting a balloon of joy. You're like, I'm ripped. I look amazing. I'm 21. I'm a new nurse. Life's great for me. And then to get those results would have been just gut, gut. You would have been gutted. Yeah, gutted. Yeah. Um, And um, also because, and then I, this and it also kind of because I'd restricted things for so long with the paleo thing, um, then you just want to eat everything I'm that you eat couldn't four eat. Four blocks then. of Cadbury tonight, just alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I look. I think back and I, I'm like, Gina, what were you oh, doing? <laughs> I look, but that's you're not alone. People who are listening on this journey of of health and healing, there are so many dips that we don't discuss. Uh, enough that you have those moments and I know when I went to my neurologists and I'd been eating whole food plant-based like overcoming multiple sclerosis has like a they allow fish and egg whites so I was eating that plant-based but with fish egg whites and I was eating oil but not uncooked oil this is this is back in 2005 in my own journey and I went to the neurologist and he said once for the millionth time he said just eat whatever you want. Why are you doing this? You know, there's no science to diet. Just eat whatever you want. Mm. And I thought, oh, and I was feeling good. You know, I was feeling good and my lesions had decreased. And he's like, look, there's, that could have happened anyway. Just eat whatever you want. And I went, literally went to the cafeteria that day, the hospital cafeteria. I didn't even wait to go to like a good bakery or somewhere. With good, yeah, really yeah. Good. <laughs> with I went to a crappy, yeah, I went to a, a crappy hospital cafeteria. <laughs> no offense to hospitals who have good ones, but this was crap. And I ordered a cheesecake, a Mars bar cheesecake that they had there. And I sat and I just ate the whole big, huge wedge. And it didn't mm. taste nice. But then that would have slipped me into like six months of terrible eating and until I got really yeah. sick again. And then I had to find something else. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, you ate, you went back to eating your old way. Yeah. Um, but... Um, so I put, um, on a lot of the weight again, very quickly. Um, and I think that the biggest thing was not so much all just weight, but I just was so puffy again and just holding it in weird places again and just felt gross. And, um, like the, um, symptoms were all still there. They hadn't, and I just, yeah, felt terrible. And I was on an in and out of like cravings again and, um, Anyway, so I started and then I got to a place where I was like, no, this is not okay. Even though the paleo seemed to be helping, like obviously there is something then with diet. And I like I just knew that and I knew that um, um, I had friends who ran the CHIP program, 
the Complete Health Improvement Program, and they always talked about how they could lower um, cholesterol with that. And so that I like had that in the back of my mind. So I was like, obviously, a diet can do something for this. And so I started researching, um, like, how to lower cholesterol, how to reverse insulin resistance, rather than just the PCOS idea. Um, and I came across the holy grail, the, the golden ticket. <laughs> I love this part of the story, always my favourite part. Um, yeah, it was actually through a New Zealand girl on YouTube. I won't say that this is the best way to always find everything because YouTube can still oh, be yeah, a bit. Oh, yeah, certainly can. Uh. <laughs> and look, to be honest, every single – everyone does whole food plant-based a little bit different, which is can, can be mm. confusing and you have to you have confusing. to wade through it and work, work out, out what own. works. Yeah, and she actually had treated and reversed her polycystic ovary syndrome as well. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness. And so I clicked on it and, um, and that's in her story, um, on a whole food plant-based diet. And I had never heard of this. I like, I was like, I've, and she cited the, um, believe it was the Adventist health study and how vegans were the lowest, um, BMI um and had the best health outcomes and I was like oh my goodness like I had heard of Loma Linda my entire childhood um and I'd always wanted to go and work over there but I'd never connected the what they were doing over there and how people were eating to my health wow you totally should go work over there on an aside that is such a cool place to work I would love to work there hello Renee Thomas <laughs> yeah Come, come pick me up. Pick <laughs> come up Gina and, and give her a job. job. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a lot harder for Australian nurses to get jobs over there. We have to do all these extra hours, which is annoying, um, different specialties. So maybe one never, day. It's never, you've got a whole life ahead of you now, your whole food plant. Basically, you're going to live to 120 like me. That's yeah, like exactly. ages. So even at 100, you can just really I can go, go over, over there. there. 100. <laughs> Um, join in the gym classes with all their whole hundred-year-olds. I know. <laughs> Just sitting there with your never had anything wrong with you medical record. Yeah, my my only thing was I got, I had my pregnancy was my only medical yeah, history. Yeah, <laughs> that crazy. was that, that was sorry. That was what Dr. Renee Thomas said in her talk about. Um, Loma Linda in the community there who have been eating plant-based for their whole lives and they all said that they had only had hosp- only hospitalisation was for their pregnancy and otherwise they were incredibly, incre- incredible great health even into their 80s and 90s. So, so wonderful. So, yeah, so I came across that and I was like, this sounds right. Like, it makes sense. Like, why wouldn't eating closest to nature, the most natural foods, why wouldn't that be the right thing to do? And especially when they said you can eat, like, big amounts, you can eat lots of food. And I was like, oh, this whole time I've been trying to, like, calorie proportion and... Portion control um, and calorie restrict. Correct. And that's never worked. Um, and had such a bad mindset around food, like, oh, I can't have that, I can't have that, but then you want it. Exactly. And the most annoying part of that for me now from here looking back is when you learn, if you haven't, you know, learned about 
Doug Lyle and Alan Goldhammer's book, The Pleasure Trap. And Pleasure Trap, And learning, and Chef AJ's work as well, learning about that your gut has hunger and nutrient receptors. And unfortunately with paleo diet and many, many calorie restriction diets, we don't turn off our satiation you know, we don't turn off satiation because we're not eating enough to make our hunger, that, that hunger switch turn off and say, yeah, the quantity's enough. So we're constantly chasing the dragon, trying to fill up, fill up that hole and keeping those cravings going and going because it knows we haven't had the quantity that we need to turn off that. And then it knows we haven't had the nutrients because, you know, Weight Watchers, you can have one point, so, you know, one meal, you can eat a Mars bar with no nutrients in it. And so your body's still chasing those those nutrients nutrients that it's not getting all the time. And so we never win on that. We can never win while we're depriving ourselves of nutrients and of the quantities that we need to feel satiated. We're just chasing the dragon forever and then blaming our willpower and inverted commas. That's never going to work because our willpower can never over, like win against Yeah, it can that. never win. It can never win. And, and, and this, you know, our delusion about moderation is another issue because we say, oh, well, you know, I, can, I just need a small moderate amount. But moderate amount doesn't factor in the fact that we need the quantity and the nutrients and we need the right types of food to fuel our bodies. And that moderation can't be an, an ice cream. So for some people, moderation is an ice cream a day. Yeah. You know, that's moderate. It's a moderate amount of ice cream. I'm having ice cream every day. I'm having a bacon. I'm having one bacon and cheese breakfast burger a day is moderation to some people. And and your heart doesn't see it as moderation. (laughs) Like it's still that saturated fat breakfast that doesn't change. We can't and we can't moderate the fact that you're feeding your bad bacteria, your, your your microbiome, these foods that perpetuate the cravings for the those foods that help our bad bacteria thrive. It's just this endless cycle where we're eating more and more and more of these high fat, high salt, high sugar foods because our bacteria is so out of whack that And so the bad bacteria They're the ones is in control. So used to that now and being fed that. So it keeps going for it. And so our good bacteria has no it's got chance. no chance and it's got, it's, they're not as strong. They're just not as strong as the bad bacteria. And so we let the bad guys win once, but pretty much letting them win every day, forever. <laughs> yeah, forever. Exactly. So then, yeah, when I came across that and then I came over forks across, over knives and just went down the rabbit hole of all the greats, <laughs> like T. Colin Campbell, Isselstyn, and that was really special because with Isselstyn, as a heart nurse, I was like, whoa, you can reverse heart disease? What is this? <laughs> wow. His work is so wonderful. I imagine as a nurse it would be terrible as well because you learn it and you're just like, these oh, patients don't want to hear this. You know? <laughs> yeah. I went through a whole last year was like a really hard year because I was going through this like, oh, you don't have to have this, but I have to give you medications. But, uh um, but no one wants to listen to me tell them about it. So, yeah, that was hard. And so what happened? You found the whole food plant-based and what happened? Within three months, I went and got my blood test done. So I got my blood test done as I was kind of starting. Within three months, I got it done again. My fasting glucose was now four. So my insulin resistance was gone. Excellent. Um, my cholesterol had gone from around 6.57 to 3. Um, and now I've had it checked again and it's um, 
2.3, I think the last one was. That is so good. And, yeah, within six months, um, I um, the weight started to come off um, and I'm, I'm now lower than I was when I was high-intensity exercising with the paleo diet. And I, the main thing is that and I could – I could eat. My cravings were gone. Um, I just had a really good mindset about food. Um, I just, my emotional stability was amazing. Um, I no longer had these emotional ups and downs. Um, and um, it took a bit longer, but my hair growth has um, decreased significantly. I hardly get any under my chin now. Um, I don't no longer really have, I just have a few hairs on, like a few just very light hairs on the top of my lip. Nothing um, major, like no one would ever say anything now <laughs> to them. Yeah, no long. I have the, everyone always comments on how clear my skin is. No, no acne. And just, but the biggest thing was definitely um, just how I no longer, like there was no longer any binge eating, just, um, I saw f- I could my mind changed to seeing food as something that can nourish me, um, energize me, keep me going, um, and it's no longer the like crutch, like an emotional crutch or something that I had to have, and I had to try this and this and this, and um, it was just I could enjoy food, but it was there to nourish me and keep me going for life. It wasn't there to deal with things. And that is honestly the greatest gift of this diet. For people who stick to it and try it out, you think that you're you think that this is restricting and your way is free, but your way is not, not your way, but I mean most people's yeah, way, the standard way. Australian yeah, diet, standard American diet, they think that eating their everything in abundance whatever they have in abundance, whatever they want at any moment is freedom mm. and a whole food plant-based diet is restriction, but the opposite is true. Yeah. The other way is slavery, honestly. It's slavery to food. You're a prisoner to food. And next week we're going to have Glenn Livingston, the author of Never Binge Again, on the show talking about that more because we think that we're free. And lots of people that I know, my friends and family, think that the way I eat and my family eat is super restricting and awful and they could never do it. But for me, it's freedom. It's the ultimate freedom because I feel, I felt like a prisoner to food. I felt like it took up Mm. all my thoughts, all Mm. my life. It ruined my body. It ruined my health and I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't stop myself when I was around a party table or at a wedding or a funeral or any situation, if there was junk food, I would eat it and I would eat too much of it and then I would hate myself. And so it was this, it was the opposite of freedom for me and for many, many, many people, even if they won't acknowledge that they're food addicts and that they're, they're hooked on it, their microbiome is running the ship, the bad guys are in control, they're hooked on it and we think that we're free and we're not free. It's the absolute opposite of freedom to be completely trapped to the point of you'd rather be lose a leg to type 2 diabetes or type 1 diabetes than 
eat a whole food plant-based diet. That's prison. Do you know what I mean? People would rather have Mm. stints put in their heart and have all the medications involved with stopping them from having a heart attack than eat a potato. That's that's prison, you know. To me, that's prison. Uh, Yeah, that's, yeah. So anyway, that's a bit of a rant. But I just think that that's, people think it's freedom and it's just like you're not free. You are absolute slaves to processed foods, fats, salts and sugars. And freedom is a whole food plant-based diet when you can look at food and think, you know, I am giving my body life. I'm giving it life. I feel incredible. I am living. I'm not depressed. I'm not sluggish. I'm not constipated. I'm not filled with candida. I'm not aching and pain, pain. I enjoy my life because I feed my body the fuel that is optimal for optimal health. And that was um, one of the things too you were saying. Um, I was constipated all the time previously Um, and um, especially on paleo, you have a bowel motion maybe like once a week sort of thing or twice a week if that now I have them like three Yay! times a day. You <laughs> see, this is a show we can talk about going to the toilet celebrated. I know we're all high-fiving each other. We love it. It's so good not to be so clogged up with stagnant old food from a week ago. That's disgusting. Exactly. Decaying yeah. pieces um, of meat from last year. You know, gross. <laughs> Sorry if you're still eating that, but it is still sitting in there. Yeah, you guys should should be having bowel motions yeah, so much more. Often. So much. It's very freeing when so you freeing. do. <laughs> yes. Um, and I used to have terrible bloating, and that's now gone. So that's awesome. Um, and I went back to the doctors, and we did another ultrasound, and there are no more cysts on my ah, ovaries. <laughs> the greatest finish to this whole episode. No more. <laughs> cysts on ovaries. This is fantastic. And so many women I know are going to be listening to this and saying, oh, my gosh, this is hope. Thank you so much, Gina. That is beautiful. Um, And that's why I was excited um, to be able to do this because I know that it would have been so special to me and so life-changing to me to hear it earlier Um, um, and just yeah, like to know that there was a way of eating that wasn't restrictive, that would actually heal me, that would reverse these things. Um, um, and, yeah, just to have heard that from another woman would have just been life-changing. And, I mean, I'm fortunate that I found it in my early 20s because I know a lot of women are older. Because many, many people don't find and they never find it. Or they find it and they're not willing at all to adopt a whole food plant-based diet. To listen to it. And it is, like, it was a big change. Um, And I noticed, I I said this to a friend the other day, the biggest thing that helped was the nutrient density. So getting as much of your leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables in actually helps because then you're at least, you're yeah, you're getting as much of those nutrients in so your body is actually satisfied a lot easier and quicker. And those cravings I tend to go because you're getting in so much nutrients and you're feeding the good bacteria. Yes. So obviously you know how this podcast works. So you know I'm going to ask you your three top tips. <laughs> and that's just yeah. that, that could be one of them. I really like it. Yeah, that can be one. Get in your leafy greens. Um, get in um, green smoothies works for some, but I noticed for me just um, I love big salads mm. and that really mm. helped for me together with my sweet yes. potatoes. 
I love my sweet potato. <laughs> I, my husband bought me the purple ones are my favorite. So he bought me, well, ones that are purple yeah. on the inside, white on the outside. They're my. Oh, they're my favorite. It's I only like them eating this year. cake. Cake. Oh, I, I say this to them. friends at work. I'm like, oh, I've got my cake today. And they're like, Gina, that's not cake. And I'm like, yes, it, it is. is. It tastes it's like so cake. Good. I love them so much. If you haven't had one, definitely go find one. The, the Hawaiian oh ones, gosh. the Hawaiian mm, white ones. They're so yeah. good. Oh, so I definitely yum. eat those salads. I love that idea, big salads. And I, if, if you find that salad's hard, add brown rice, quinoa to a salad or some good chickpeas and lentils to a salad. It really helps fill it out and it makes you feel fuller and longer and it's delicious. But obviously sweet potato to a salad is incredible. So definitely do that too. Funny thing, I just remembered I actually had them in the oven and I've forgotten on this podcast. So I'm just getting my sweet potato out of the oven. Uh, I'm putting one in as soon as we hang up. <laughs> okay. There we go. The best part about sweet potato in the oven is when they're overcooked, the goo comes out and the goo, oh, the, the caramelized goo is delicious. Oh. Only whole food puppet people I understand that. <laughs> I was saying that about pumpkin skins, like when you roast a pumpkin, like the ones that are green on, like the green ones on the outside. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. They're a Japanese they pumpkin. I don't know what they're okay. called. So sorry. If you know what they're I'm called, sure mention they're it in, called. The show, in the comments and the show notes. But those ones roasted, I love the skins when they're over. They just put like a whole wedge and oh, the skins yeah. are yum. And they crispy go crispy and, and, the goo and on the, mm. Get some pumpkin on them. They're so yum. But that my mum would say that was <laughs> desperate times. But I would say, Wendy, you are so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, my mum still is like, you're so good. <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing like it. It's amazing. Okay, so lots and lots of nutrient-dense foods, like Dr. Furman's Eat to Live book recommends. Really, really good. Uh, Number two. Two is um, work on your mental health as well. Um, Because I think, especially when you've gone through more like a binge eating, um, working like, emotional thing like food is an emotional release that that does the whole food plant-based diet does help but you still have to work through I think the mental and emotional to put in things like exercise and other things that implement other things that bring you joy like you said um because you can still like especially now that there's all that vegan junk food like if you're not working through like your shit your shit yeah and that's still there and the food can still like you can still overeat on plant-based foods to an extent like you can still overeat on nuts and things like yes that. and I have over eight felt like food addiction has been my last part of my journey like my multiple sclerosis symptoms have been non-existence for 10 years over 10 years now and I've lost a lot of weight but I've got I've got some more to lose and that is because mm. I made oh, yeah, I made too. a lot of cake a lot of whole food plant-based mm. cake with low in fat, but a lot of grains that have been refined and ground into a flour. It's still, even Dr. McDougall, all the doctors will say that the more of those whole food plant-based treats like cookies that I make for my kids and I eat too many of them, but they're still whole food plant-based technically, but they, they have been my, because I've eaten them because I'm emotionally eating. I procrastinate eat them. I've done all different kinds of things and that's kind of, 
why people like there's so many people that have been on this show who've become health coaches, myself included, and and Andrew and Andrew and um so many others. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting you. If you've got been on the show and you're one, please if you've been on this show and you're listening. Put your link again to your business because there's so many great coaches, you know, Chef AJ, um, so many great health coaches out there that have gone through this as well, like Gina, gone through it and gone, there's so much more than food because we have to start stripping off all the conditioning that we've had around food and how we treat ourselves. And if you feel sad, baby, have some cake or you feel this, your boyfriend dumped you, eat some cake, you failed that exam, eat some chips with me or it's Friday, TGIF, eat this. You know, there's so many reasons we give ourselves to overindulge and indulge in foods that we know are going to perpetuate disease and sickness and Especially I find with polycystic, with um the blood sugar level thing is bliss balls bliss balls like date balls they're oh. my achilles um, heel and i yeah, make them too. thinking i'm doing myself a favor and people will say i just eat one a day but if you're a food no, addict i can't eat do the that. whole jar a day and then you make yep. some more tomorrow and eat that jar and leave that so now i just i um i mean it's a bit easy because i don't have kids like i imagine that would be hard but I just can't make them or buy them because I'm buying the eating the whole yeah. packet or the whole yeah, jar. Yeah, yeah. I was going <laughs> to make some just yesterday for my brother's birthday party and I thought, you know what, I can't because no one else cares about them, but I'll eat the whole thing while I'm there. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially because you're like, oh, that might be the only vegan thing and I'm at a party. So I made a different thing and it was much better. I came home and I felt so much better that I hadn't had those around you start to learn those tricks as you go along i just know i can't make this stuff and if i bake for the kids i'm in for it yeah yeah <laughs> and i think like it's awesome that it is a journey and i'm glad that i mean you can't come to everything at once like to knowing all these things and um so yeah i guess maybe we're all on a journey yeah and maybe that's my third one like be kind to yourself uh you're on a journey with this you don't have to be perfect from the beginning um and I think I wish I'd learned that that um at the start that because I used to I used to I guess put myself down a bit like oh I'm not this perfect whole food plant-based vegan like I'll eat all these bliss bowls in one go and like that's not what they do on YouTube and sort of stuff like they can just eat one (laughs) I feel you and being kind is a great third tip and but all of them are really really wonderful but I think that in in combination Nutri- you know, tip one, each eating nutrient-dense foods helps reduce those cravings and it helps you feel fuller for longer. It's incredible. And then the mindset stuff is a whole other oh, – another great book to read would be Josh Lajoni and Howard Jacobson's Sick to Fit ebook. It's free on Amazon and it's great for mindset and great for a whole food plant base. But it's really you – know, he's gone through all of this. And they talk so much about mindset and motivation and obviously a whole food plant-based diet, but it's a really simple but comprehensive, fantastic ebook, fantastic easy read that gives you so much great stuff on mindset and all those kind of things. So I highly recommend that. I don't know what episode Josh was, but he's back there. Scroll back and you'll find him because his episode, Josh Lajani's episode is they're all my favorites. It's like your kids. I can't pick which which episode's my favorite because 
I love them all, and I've met so many wonderful people on this show that they're all so special to my heart. But Josh's is very special as well and definitely worth checking out. If you're someone who struggled with food addiction and or you have a dad or a male person in your life because he resonates so much with, I think a lot of men would resonate with Josh because he's just such a likeable traditional style of guy in lots of ways. Not to generalise men into one Josh category, but he's really good. He's really <laughs> likeable and wonderful. So, yes, obviously um, Andrew Taylor's episode as well, which is also very similar content around losing weight and food addiction and those kind of things. But wonderful, wonderful point to make about mindset and be kind to yourself because you know, I'm 14 years into this journey myself, and that's not talking about the medication parts that were, you know, just slamming laxatives and weight loss pills and all the things I did before this, you know, painkillers and everything before this. Being kind to yourself because, you know, I know that I'm going to be better at this because I'm working on it every day so so hard, but I'm going to be better than at this 14 years from now, really better. And, 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 mm, and every day is a thing. Every day, like Gina's saying, is it's just about forgiving yourself and making the, like Josh always said, you know, Josh says, you know, count the W's on the board. Don't count the L's. You know, there's going to be L's on all of our journeys where we have to eat out and there's too much oil or we, we, we're too polite to tell someone that we don't want to eat the oil on the thing that they've made or, or whatever it is. And that, that might be the best. It might be that you ate a Magnum or you ate the new vegan Cornetto. Just keep dusting yourself off and making more nutrient-dense foods and working on your mindset more and more. Great tips, Gina. Thank you so, so much. Um, and also with the being kind, sorry, just last, um, is that um, for so long with PCS, you're so unkind to yourself um, because of how you look, how you feel. Um, you just, you're always putting yourself down um, and comparing yourself to others and why me? And so, yeah, I think that's what the greatest thing of this journey was like, that suddenly I could be kind to myself and I could love myself um, and love the food that I was putting in my body. I'm going to end on that. I love that. That's such a beautiful thing to say to people. I think that that needs to be felt by everyone who's listening and who's listening with all different kinds of conditions where you don't feel like you f look the part in life or fit in in any way. Like it's beautiful to be kind to yourself. We're all on this journey together and we have to just be kinder to ourselves. Mm, definitely.